Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. Never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. There's a question we need to raise here today on Monday's Second Captain's Podcast. It's one that up until very recently, I never thought I'd ever have to ask. And it's aimed directly at you, Dubs fans. Are you growing bored of Dublin's relentless march to a fourth All-Ireland title in a row. Hi, Murph. Hi, Ken. Hi, Owen. How are you? Hey, Owen. I'm very well, thank you, guys. Two fellow broadcasters who I have a lot of time for. Both made this identical point over the weekend. TV3's Tommy Martin said, Dublin are an amazing team, the best of my lifetime, admirable in so many ways, but their dominance is killing the football championship. There's zero buzz about it because everyone knows it's going to win. Serious rivals desperately needed. Even dubs must be getting bored. Joe's Colin Parkinson says 54,000 at an All-Ireland semi-final involving Dublin. Are Dublin fans getting as bored as everyone else? Ken, you're a dub. Are you bored of Dublin's domination? I'm more than a dub, Owen. I'm a neighbour of Tommy Martin up in Fairview, (laughs) Reno Way. I sometimes see him in the Tesco there. Oh, nice. But remind me again, Owen, is Tommy Martin a natural-born Dublin man? Here we go. (laughs) How pure is the Dublin bloodline here? Remind, remind me again. I'm welcome. I, I'm happy to welcome him to to into the bosom of of. You're my not community. a monster, Ken. But is he a natural-born Dublin man? Uh, no. And this this other broadcaster of whom you speak, Mr. Parkinson, I think he said. Yeah. yeah. Would he be a natural-born Dublin man? No, himself? no he's not. Not, not no. pure. No. No. Doesn't even not live sure in Dublin. He's anymore. another. He he doesn't live in Dublin. No, no. Why well, he moved out for? Some he's in. Uh, he lives in Port Leash now, his hometown, I oh. believe. Okay, well, very good. So, so he's um, he he's he's boomeranged back to Port Leash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's not a natural-born Dublin man. <laughs> and would it be fair to say, Owen, that these two gentlemen, of whom you say and who and in whom I share um, your respect for these for these men, uh, that perhaps Dublin winning uh, matches as comfortably as I didn't watch the entire match. I have to say the Dublin going match. I did turn it on and, it, and I thought. Why has the match been switched off? Why, why are Dublin just walking past these stationary Galway players and kicking the ball over the bar? What's happened here? Okay, maybe, maybe this spectacle doesn't have quite the same sweetness for Mr. Martin and Mr. Parkinson Mrs. Mrs. Martin and as Parkinson. it would do for 
Mrs. Early and McDevitt. <laughs> for instance, or, or indeed uh, many of the other people at, at Croke Park. And I think that's natural. I wouldn't say that I've been entirely blown away by the GAA Football Championship this year. No. I would and I say am getting a little bit bored of something. What? There is something I'm getting a bit bored of. And that is the likes of Galway turning up at Croke Park and standing there as though they weren't even aware that they were in a, in a game. I'm getting... Are you saying I, that to me? I am getting a little bit bored of watching these uh, opposing teams failing to give Dublin So it's the opponents you're bored of. It's not the dubs. I just wish that Mr. Martin, uh, Mr. Parkinson, and all the other people from all the other 31 counties might look in the mirror for a change instead of pointing at this Dublin footballing machine, the likes of which I think we can all agree has never been seen. (laughs) Well, I haven't done the four in a row yet, and two, two, two other counties have already done the four in a row. Kerry twice. The speed so. of the speed of light across Croke Park, the green Velcro surface or whatever it was, mm. like a cult, a cult of laser or whatever the phrase was, I can't remember. That's what we're talking about when we talk about Dublin. And I just don't understand this urge to, is it a begrudgery thing? Is it jealousy? Is it jealousy? Maybe. I, I think, I think uh, you know. Well, see, the thing is, right? Is it boring? Yes. Is that Dublin's fault? Emphatically not. Like that's that's basically it. I mean Dublin. I mean it's not it's not even the Dublin are playing a very boring style of football. They're absolutely brilliant to watch. They have tons of brilliant footballers. Hmm. I mean, you know, it's not even you know with all due respect to Dublin, like we're not even talking like that. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious they're brilliant. They play brilliant football. They've moved the game on like three levels, but it is. Boring. No, but the, the question that uh, these esteemed gentlemen <laughs> posed, Mr. Yeah. Mr. Martin, Mr. Martin, Mr. Martin, Mr. Parkinson, Mr. Parkinson. Yeah. was are Dublin fans bored? Of Dublin, I would say no. I would say possibly in the Leinster Championship, there's not that much joy to be had from a team romping through by 20 mm. points a game when you know it's going to happen at our end quarterfinal and particularly semi-final stage. I would say there's still quite a thrill watching this team do what they do and put the foot down as they did yesterday. Um, like don't forget, Stephen Cluxon went the first 10 years of his career without playing in an Ireland final. Mm. So we're not a million miles removed from the days when it was bloody hard to get into one. I do, I do feel there is still a thrill there. Now, the attendance is obviously a question mark. You know, 54,000. Mm. There, there were two counties in that, Murph. I found it pretty hard to locate a Galway man or woman before the game. Uh, found, yeah. a, found a few of them afterwards in the Hogan stand pub. Under the table, they like, to, like the rest of the team. Like, yeah. like to Under the bed. And I'm not, I never blame people, by the way, Dublin or Galway or anywhere for not going to get, like there's this pressure, you should go. I mean, you know, it, these things cost money, and particularly for the Galway fans who have all these uh, uh, hurling matches to attend. So it's not a criticism, but when Dublin play Mayo, say, if they were to play in the semi-final yeah. this year, Mayo were taking 30,000 in there. Yeah. And there's an excitement created by that. And then suddenly Dublin fans, oh, well, of course, if it's going to sell out, of course I want a ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it creates its own momentum. I don't know if the low attendance yesterday was all because Dublin fans are fed up of winning on Ireland semi-finals so easily. No. There's still quite a few of us in there. No, I th- you know, I think the attendance is a little bit of a red herring because, well, I mean, I know myself and my own family, there were like, people have been to the Clare Drawn game the replay in Thurless a week after, like last Sunday, and there's no Ireland hurling final this Sunday. Mm. Like, it is it is a lot of money, for, like for people with kids as well. I mean, it's a lot of money before you leave the house, you know? Um, now, like, it's not even that that's an excuse. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, whether Dublin fans are actually bored by, by this, I mean... 
Like, it's the same thing, though. I mean, like the Dublin fans are bored by Dublin games. They're not bored by Dublin. They're bored by the opposition. I, I mean, don't know. I don't know how bored. Uh, see, also, I feel people from outside the county look at it as you would tend to do as one blob of blue just running yeah. up and down scoring goal. But there are individual stories within this. There's Cormac Costello and his eternal quest to get into this team, and what what more he needs to do. There's there's Kev Mack. Kev Mack and Paul Flynn coming off the bench. Paul Mannion putting in this performance up in Tyrone. This unbelievable defensive yeah. performance, and then turning yesterday back into this sort of silky corner forward well, type type player. There are there are there are things that a Dublin supporter will probably pay attention to that other people don't bother because it doesn't mean that much to them. Completely. Yeah. And and like at a root level, obviously there are your own club men who are playing in these games. You know what I mean? And yeah, like obviously yeah, there are tons yeah. of Dublin. Well, it means more to me when when Kev Mack is playing, of indeed. course. Yes, yeah. like Kev Mack. Kev Mack, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I remember but, I was I was in a pub in Stoke Newington, Heartland of the London Irish community, yeah. watching when, in 2011 when Kev Mack scored that great goal mm. against the Kerry men, mm. as we call them. You stood up with a bar and he said, that's my boy. That's my boy. Now, a friend, a friend of mine was at the match. Again, not a natural-born Dublin man. Mm-hmm. And he had a, his take on this was that the Dublin fans are bored by Dublin. Well, he was okay. saying, oh, Dublin is so boring, Dublin is so boring. And I was saying, sucks to be you, you're from Tipperary. <laughs> uh, and now you live in Galway, so I suppose he would—he actually would have probably even been Galway supporting. Mm. But he said, "No, no, the, the, the Dublin fans are bored by it because." And he proceeded to basically say, "Dublin are a bit like Barcelona. They're passing the ball around. Their their style of play involves getting quite close to the goal and not shooting from yeah. you know a long a long way out and and scoring most of the shots. They're like uh, they wait till they have the right position and then shoot." But all the Dublin fans sitting there are like, oh, shoot, why don't you just shoot? Whenever Dublin get the ball. And they don't have the patience to watch this sophisticated game. Essentially, that the, what, you can see clearly what he was doing. He can't, he can't get at Dublin directly, so he gets at the people. You see, he, gets a, he attacks the people for not having the brain power to, see what, to understand what Jim Gavin is serving up. So I can, I, again, I saw straight through what he was saying. It was a tissue of lies and deception. He was, he, because he couldn't attack the team directly, mm. he decided to have a go. He decided to play the, the, the man, not the ball. Mm. But I, I can say that I was, I was delighted by, to see the score. I was delighted when I saw, to see the result when I switched it on a couple of minutes to go. And I, and I know that that, was, that joy was shared by, by most of the people uh, in Dublin. Are you saying Dublin for the dubs, Ken? I wonder, we've, we've let these country people in for too many decades. No, no, no. I, 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 I well, <laughs> I recommend. It, although I do, I do wonder about the Tabit test sometimes. You know, mm. I do, I do wonder at what point is is Mr. Martin, for instance, yeah. if as you're a living in Dublin, you got to start supporting Dublin. How long is he? Safe. How long is he yeah. going to be wearing the the green and gold of his native Donegal? I hope the little Martins. You know, I don't know if there there are any. Maybe you know, I don't even know. But maybe one day, who knows? Yeah, that they will be in the the blue and blue. The fruit of the Martin loins. What What is the solution to this, though? Because we all know we've got a problem. And the, is it to to let the little counties pair up and bring their dinner? <laughs> is that is it? Because if people talk about uh, about splitting up Dublin, and again, I, 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 I they, there's this yeah, there's this really urge to sort of dismember Dublin, to mm. get to, to strap Dublin onto the onto the operating table and cut them in half, mm. you know, and, and sort of mutilate. You know, and to to, to sunder, mm. and obviously that can't you can't the two halves of them north and south beat as one heart. But would it? I can't see the problem of, for instance, having Donegal and Tyrone 
pooling their forces, Donegal and Tyrone mm. and maybe Derry. Yeah. You might have a halfway competitive Go away and Mayo get together and field a joint team, Kerry and Cork. Mm. Yeah. And, and then we, we might start to see some good games at Croke Park mm. against Dublin. All in all, I'd have to say the uh, charm offensive that Kenneth just said <laughs> on behalf of the Dublin football team has gone excellently well. <laughs> Mike Quirk and Oshie McConville are on the way. I'll tell you what wasn't boring. Gary Neville's appearance at the second captain's Premier League night with Cadbury, that's what. For fuck's sake. We, we need to get back to facts here because there seems to be a bit of emotion creeping in. What you've just said really isn't true. Well, no. Not what I said. I'm not saying... I don't know what you're saying, to be honest with you. Okay. I mean, I, I, all Make if, you got, if you found someone on the street... You already interviewed me. He's a goat, he's a god, he's a man, he's a guru. For fuck's sake. <laughs> One microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan Designed and directed by his red right hand he did. I've, I've heard. I've, I've Who did? Let me right finish. What happened to Chelsea? For fuck's sake! Well, this is going splendidly, everybody. Put the cameras up. You want? Let's have a chat. Everybody would think that the appointment of Jose Mourinho would have been a great appointment for Manchester United to win trophies. That they would win trophies under Jose Mourinho. Well, I don't think everybody would have thought that, but I think somebody who didn't know a lot about football would have thought that. What the Manchester United? Jose Mourinho? Yeah. For fuck's sake! <laughs> We've had an absolutely unbelievable reaction to our spiky chat with Gary Neville, who's still having a pop there. He did give us some amazing insights about his time in Valencia, about what's going on about Manchester United and more. But, you know, there's not as much fun in playing those yeah. more nuanced bits in a short clip promoting the interview. Gary enjoyed the robust debate anyway. He said, I think it's worth a listen. Try it with a love heart. Hmm. Love heart aimed directly at you, Ken, I can only assume. So we're all friends at the end of all of that. And that interview is available to all. You're still friends with Gary Neville, right? I, I think so. Mm. I mean, are, well, friends, you know, are we friends? Don't have many friends in the game, Ken, do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, uh, I, you know, we didn't, we, we didn't really get to know each other much. I mean, most of our conversation was conducted in public. Otherwise, it's, hello, how are you? Oh, great to meet you. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll do the show. Quick chat beforehand. Was... He was high energy beforehand. Yeah. So it was all, let's, get, let's do this. Let's get this done. Let's get going. Yeah. Let's get, not let's get this done. It's more like let's, let's get this? out there. Come on. Uh, so he's pretty, pretty buzzed up from the start. He did seem to take a serious umbrage with the idea of us two on one couch and him on the other as though it was some sort of a power play. But listen, you're going to have to go back and listen to that yourself if you want to hear all about it. Really good stuff from Gary. It dropped in your feed on Friday. That interview, as I mentioned, is available to everybody. If you want more where that came from, all the best Premier League coverage throughout the season is waiting for you on the Second Captain's World Service. The interview with Gary Neville is up there with the best stuff we've done, I think. If you're looking for a steer and some of our other favourite bits, there's a section on the website called Select Cuts, which is worth checking out. You've access to all those interviews. They're only a fiver a month and you can sign up now on secondcaptains.com. Our Gaelic football punditry dream team is ready to go. Hi, Oshin. Oh, on his form. Good, yeah, it's not too bad now. Hi, Mike, how are you? I'm really good. We'll start with yesterday because I guess, uh, well, I suppose Monaghan would have been the fairy tale, Oshin, but Tyrone are maybe the more likely to handle the occasion of an All-Ireland final and give Dublin a game. And they don't really do, you know, they don't look really like a fairy tale. They like to end all fairy tales. <laughs> and uh, they, That's sort of what, they were just marginally better than Monaghan yesterday. Didn't enjoy the game. Uh, on uh, Monaghan's I suppose Maliki Rock's tenure uh, at Monaghan was based around fairly conservative football um, and um, f- fairly defensive football 
but it was built on making the right decision and and uh, slowly through his time the decision making has slowly but surely got better and unfortunately that just left him yesterday you're you talking know? about the begging I'm not not just the, the begging I, th- I think there's there was so many of them right. there's so many of them uh, I thought it was real I to be honest I thought there was real lack quality in the game you know I thought the finishing was was poor and just the options I mean like Generally, you know, one of the things that you do is you you keep the wides tally, but you also keep the one the kh the keep into the keeper's hands. Like some of the ones in the first half, like into the keeper's hands, he was collecting them on the fourteen. You know, yeah. that's how that's how off you know a lot of the shooting and that was. So I just thought there was a real lack of quality in it. Um, Tyrone will will need to completely change in order to not completely change but they need to change radically in order to even put it up to the dubs at this stage I think but I suppose they're not worried about that they were worried about getting into the final and they've talked about getting into the final and that's you know that's as much as they could have done yesterday and now it's down to three weeks of of coming up with something that <laughs> that I haven't seen of them so far mm. well what do you think Mike uh look to accentuate the positives for a moment I mean I thought Tyrone did kick a couple of really good scores say in the first 20 minutes like when they moved the ball really fast as they did in that opening kind of 20 minutes or so they looked really good yeah they did and I think the game, you know the game suffered because of a kind of a lack of momentum and, and the momentum kept getting stalled because there were some really good passages to play you know particularly by Tyrone early on but by both sides throughout the game that just weren't finished off with scores that if 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 they had kicked over those scores uh, you would have felt the crowd get into it a little bit more and the atmosphere would have lifted a little bit and, and there would have been a kind of a bit of momentum coming but like so often like there was some really good passages to play that were, were finished off with a really disappointing wide and it just kind of left you kind of wishing for a little bit more quality and look the game I think the game played out the way it was always going to play out I actually thought that Manon were to be honest I thought they were slightly the better team and up up to the up to the goal like by, by Niall Sladden which there was a good amount of you know you know good fortune off it really Tierney McCann getting blocked down by Hughes and a ball spills along the ground he, he soccer styles into net I actually thought Manning looked the more likely team at that stage to, to kind of keep pushing on a little bit and, and seem to have that small little bit extra you know, a little bit of quality with, with Conor McCarthy had played well and, you know, McManus was well shackled by Hemsey, but he was still, you know, causing trouble and winning frees and stuff. And I just thought they were the guys that looked like they had the sharper edge to them while, while you know, still that, that lack of quality was kind of apparent all the way through. But in terms of a team, Mike, of the two who will potentially put up to Dublin, is Tyrone that team, you know, with the managerial experience that they have of winning All-Ireland with the, the bit of brashness, the fact that they've... They put up a decent showing in Oma just a, a few weeks back. Um, like I, I'd love to kind of you know pick pick a best seven there from each team and put them up in Dublin the final. I think it might make for a little bit more interesting. I I don't know that that Tyrone have the have the quality up front to to actually score enough to to beat Dublin. Like. Uh, and I'm not sure that anybody has the defensive capability to actually stop them outscoring you. And and I, I just think for, for all their good stuff and the way Peter Hart came into the game and, uh, you know, Matty Donnelly to a lesser extent, they, 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 they still they still just lack those those real killers up front the way the way they had, you know, Mulligan and, and, and Canavan. And, you know, like they just don't have those guys. And, and that's my fear that while, while they're trying to make it attritional and slow down Dublin and do everything they can, I'm just not sure that they're they're going to score enough to be able to really, really put it up to them in, in a meaningful way. Yeah, I mean, like, 
I felt like journalism's greatest ever hero last year, tipping Mayo to win the All-Ireland Final. I mean, when you think back on it, right, Mayo had, like, brought Dublin to a replay and, and lost the replay by one point. And even then, going into the All-Ireland Final last year, you thought, you know, like, there is a chance. You know, there is a chance that Mayo can beat this Dublin team, however remote. And you compare what Mayo have achieved, had achieved, that the Mayo team of 2017... All of the All-Ireland Finals they had reached. The fact they had wiped the floor with Kerry in the All-Ireland semi-final. Like, their list of achievements, when put beside this Tyrone team's list of achievements, like, it's on a different planet, you know? And even then, you felt like, oh, well, by some miracle, maybe Mayo can win this All-Ireland Final. Like, there is just no sensible argument that Tyrone can keep it kicked out to Dublin, really. Not really, but uh, if they are going to, then they need to change dramatically, I think. Um... Dublin will let you get scores against them, you know, as we've seen at the weekend, and they will let you get scores, but they just they just back themselves, you know, up front. So how did, what, what you, you said twice, well, uh, Tyrone need to change radically. What well, do they need to change? Well, uh, the, Colin Cavanaugh was one of the best players on the field yesterday, but if he plays that role that deep against Dublin, Dublin will absolutely eat Tyrone alive as they did the last day, um, because um, because the. The major, if you see the majority of Dublin scores the weekend, it was round where the, it was round the D, round the D. Now he's protecting, he's protecting his full back, so he's protecting uh, the square, the fourteen yard line out to the twenty one. He's not getting out quick enough to the edge of the D, and if Dublin just if they do that, then Dublin will just pick points off from there. So they'll have to they'll either what the, the two things that I think the Trome will will do is they'll either go. Everybody dramatically behind the ball. I don't think they can afford to do that, or they need to bring Cavan out the field a bit, you know. And he needs to protect the D rather than protect his full back line, and that gives Dublin the opportunity to get in behind them. Then, so you know that it's just it's just a difficult one because they're caught. And I'm sorry, but and I, I'm sorry for continuing to say this most weeks here, okay? But if you give up the kickouts to Dublin on a continual basis, then you will pay the ultimate price. And that's as that's what ha- has happened, teams. Is it possible that they have had a plan, they would have had a plan for Monaghan, and the plan for Dublin will be completely different? Absolutely, it will be completely different. But I'm still not buying the argument that you don't push up on Dublin's kicks, kickouts because they're going to win them anyhow. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not buying that. I mean, Kavanaugh needs to play on Fenton for kickouts. I don't I don't think he, he, he does, he has the... Maybe the pace or or the uh, overall stamina to stay with him for the whole game, but he needs to be on there for kickouts because that's Dublin's main weapon. If everything else is shut down, Dublin aren't particularly big, but they do win a lot of ball in the air. Howard and these boys, they do win a lot of ball. He's not he's not hugely big, um, but there has to be pressure. That's where the pressure has to start. And if it doesn't start there, it, okay, it might take Dublin fifty five minutes, but eventually they'll get on top and eventually they'll start bringing boys off the bench and eventually it'll be just history repeating itself and as much as people know what's going to happen and they make no excuses for it it still happens mm. and the other thing about it is that uh, that Dublin's bench actually now looks as strong as it ever has because what he's done with the rotation even over the last couple of weeks is he's left boys absolutely chomping on the bit, at the bit 
which is uh, has been one of the one of the big successes, I suppose. It, it, they don't seem to <laughs> they they seem to come on, ma- make an impact, and not be pissed off. That like Cormac Costello must think he should be starting. Onagara won man of the match the last game. Didn't do, didn't play a minute. Do you know what my favorite thing is though? No. The dubs the dubs lads that come off the bench aren't happy to keep the ball. Because they're on, I'm making a point now. Mm. I'm making a point that I want to start the well, next Well, funny, day. they have been in other games. Do you remember the game against Donegal? You you felt that maybe, like Dublin very much played yeah. key ball at the end of that one. And it was kind of a bit a bit bizarre. You, you felt that maybe part of that was about them saying, look, if you guys want to be defensive against us, we can just keep the ball. No, well, that's what I, I've, I, I've talked about their stubborn streak. But I still think that that has even changed in the last number of weeks because uh, because of the of that, you know, that fight for, for places. And I think, like, we're... When you see everybody else wanting to keep ball, McMenamin just doesn't want to have any part whatsoever in in that part of it. Because when he goes, it's direct and it's it's incisive. And the same with Costello when he come off the bench, you know, mm. at the weekend as well. well listen, we were, we're talking to somebody who was directly involved the weekend as part of Galway's <laughs> backroom team. Uh, I, <laughs> what, what happened I, to the plan? I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> uh, my involvement. Uh, I deny it at this stage. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The. Uh, well, that's it. I mean, you know, you, uh, obviously I was there as a Galway supporter and after the game, the question you ask yourself is, what can Galway do? You know, can Galway get fitter? Can they, is there like a, a tactical shift that they can use between now and may, hopefully getting back to an Ireland semi-final next year and to play Dublin again? Or is it the fact that Dublin just have better footballers? Well, Galway a bit flat though. Well, if you look at the the points that Dublin kicked, well, particularly, well, actually, it was for the entire game. How many of them were kicked under real extreme pressure? Very few. I like. I actually can't remember a point where it was like the goal man actually could have got there, could have got a cost low score. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like for the entire first half, pass the ball, keep the ball, yeah. get into the scoring zone, pop it over the bar, and without really anyone getting hurt at all, like no one really putting a putting a hit in. I mean, it's just it's. It's there's a lot of things you know sort of that the Galway football fraternity would be talking about today. The main thing is how do Mayo do it? Like what is in this May? What's in the current Mayo team that isn't in any other team? And I include Toronto in that because you know the All Ireland semi final last year was just like a defenestration. You know, like it was just a, like a humiliation. Um, and okay, think about what that Mayo team has. What it has, I think, first of all, our athletes, absolutely. But I do think it's more of a mindset that the Mayo players have. That you saw, say, even Galway's really good runners on the ball, Sean Andy O'Kelly, would kind of take the ball up as to within five yards of the Dublin uh, sort of first bank of defenders, which is like their full forward line. And then he starts slowing down, and then he'd be like, okay, I don't want to get turned over here. And then he kind of goes sideways, and then he, it's back to Gareth Bradshaw, who's like jogged in behind his own full back to take the ball off. And then Bradshaw kind of runs five yards forward. And, okay, I don't want to get turned over. Keith Higgins, Paddy Durkin, these guys do not do that. They, when, they see, when they see a Dublin player in front of them, it's like, okay, do I have a chance to really hurt this guy by running straight through him? No, okay, I'll run around him. But it's all done at speed. None of this lateral stuff, okay, let's not get turned over. It's a conviction that at root, the Mayo players, if you ask them, they would say, this Dublin team are lucky. They've been lucky to beat us the last couple of years. I mean, they have no, they have no right to say that. You know, they haven't beaten Dublin since 2012. Like, it's ridiculous to say that, 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 uh, that Dublin are lucky. But that's what they believe. And that's the important thing. Like, that's what they've... They, they think they're better than Dublin. And ridiculous as that might sound, 
that's why they put it up to Dublin. So you're saying Galway didn't go up believing they're, they're better than Dublin at the weekend? Well, why would they? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, because you have to convince like, yourself of that, though. Yeah, you have like to convince yourself, we've had a good summer, we lost the money, and whatever the reasons for that performance in your in your head, psychologically, you've got to write it off. Galway have beaten Mayo three years in a row. Yeah. Mayo took Dublin to a replay, lost the Iron final last year by a point. You know, like, there's... You know, Galway have a very good argument to say they're better than Mayo. It's like they've got an absolutely watertight argument to say they're better than Mayo in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, there's, they don't have that conviction on the ball that Mayo have. And I really think, and Mike, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, that it's, it's not a tactical shift. It's not, you know, like the personnel or the personnel, like, you know, Galway certainly need four or five more players to, really top quality players to challenge Dublin. They don't have that yet. Maybe it'll come. But there's that intensity that Mayo have brought to this Dublin team that we haven't seen from Tyrone. You know, even, you know, like when's the last time Kerry really put it up to them? You know, like the 10 minutes before halftime in the 2015 All-Ireland Final was it when they got the two goals. Mm-hmm. You know, we haven't seen any other team other than Mayo play with conviction against Dublin and that's why Dublin are going to win this All-Ireland without, you know, even a glove, glove being raised on them. This really, this really feels like a bit of a kind of a therapy session for you too, Murph, which is which is probably good, <laughs> man. You know, but well, I'm on the um, couch here, uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I think, I think to be fair to Galway, look, you know, they were they were never going to win win in All Ireland. I don't, I don't believe this year. I don't, I'm not sure that they were ever going to be quite at that pitch. I think whatever happened, you know, before that Monaghan game. Uh, uh, some something something changed. Whether whether it was this kind of psychological kind of look, we're already there, lads, and we can chill out and relax, and 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 we take a little bit of a beating here off Monaghan. Uh, like I know, it, it, none of us know for sure, obviously, but that was not a like from Kerry's point of view and from Galway's point of view, that was not a good result. That was not a good way to go into facing the best team in the country by taking a beating off off Monaghan, who really shouldn't shouldn't have left they shouldn't have left that happen and and straight away you're saying this isn't some part of a, a greater plan as as some people have alluded to <laughs> i like it was it was an issue that you weren't able to mentally get yourself up to win a game that you should be winning to keep the momentum going to keep the confidence flowing through you that you've been building up all year through league and Connacht championship and everything until you get to this really really big pinnacle game against dublin and, and they weren't able to do it for some reason now obviously yes the, the quality of player the quality of guys coming off the bench you know, the quality of whatever Jim Gavin is doing with these guys in training, there's obviously, they're at a different level. But like, I, I honestly, I, I was surprised at the lack of kind of intensity, um, the lack of, of effort. And I know intensity is like, it can encompass so many different things. But just, but just, the kind of desperation that you think like Galway had to bring to that game uh, that Mayo often find when they're playing against them. They're the most desperate side. They're the ones that are chasing lost causes and you know harassing guys with two and three bodies and, and running by guys with energy and enthusiasm. And that wasn't, those basic kind of things weren't there with Galway. Uh, when Galway yesterday, it was like they just, you know, they became so kind of consumed by by structure and by by doing the right things on the ball that they didn't have that that kind of basic tenant of Jesus. We really got to bust our ass here, lads, and, and chase everybody and hound them and, and tackle and harry and carry ball and and that that energy wasn't there for me. And it was it was just it was strange because they had to be the ones that were bringing that, like you know. Oshin. Yeah, Muff was talking about athletically and physically. That's why Mayo. I can't believe we're still talking Mayo, but that's why that's why they matched up. That's well, well, why they were able to match up because I think everyone probably wanted them there in the last four. I mean, you look at it. Well, everyone, real, everyone wants them there in the last two because oh, and why? Because there's real lack of alternatives. Yeah. You know, yeah. now we've run, we're sort of running out of alternatives if, now. If, if we thought Kerry had had it in them to 
be, to to beat Dublin, we'd be talking about Kerry. You know, like the yeah. fact of the matter is that Dublin haven't been beaten in three years. They're not, they're going to win a four in a row, and people are eager to see them challenged. I mean, at this stage, a challenge is what we're looking for, not even for them to be beaten. We're looking for like you try and pick an all star team. How many Dublin players are on it? Because you know, you're thinking, oh, well, you know, when the pressure was on, he really stood up. Like, that's how people win All-Stars. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no Dublin player has been under any pressure this year to do something magnificent and brilliant for their team. You know, like it's... Yeah. Just a little snippet uh, of the game on, on Saturday was the first, almost one of the first plays of the game when Mannion got the ball and skinned Cairn and kicked the ball over the bar. He, he, took, he took five or six yards out of him in the space of 20. Do you know what I mean? Like that, there's no way that should happen. And as Murph says, like you, if you do, if you did that against Mayo, you you would be under severe pressure to do that. Whereas just at the weekend, I just thought, was, I, I I don't know, I just I just felt the goal were a little bit flat. But, uh, and maybe that was as a result yeah. of the week before, um, or let's, you know, maybe they're just not good enough. But Jesus, you know. You gotta have a bit of a you gotta have a bit of a go, and it just didn't feel as if Galway had a bit of a go. And I'm not talking about the system; I'm talking about just a general body language and attitude. Okay, you know it's interesting because you mentioned the system because what I I was kind of surprised with how the first half unfolded because we heard all year about this ultra defensive Galway, and even even after the game, people are banging on about this. Oh well, you know Dublin can handle the blanket defence. Galway, I was up near the canal end where they were attacking the first half. There were always two players staying up front. I mean, right up front, often three, and usually then another player, someone like Shane Walsh, as sort of a link. So there were three, sometimes even four players in the Dublin half, uh, but pretty much at all, at all times, which is in the modern game. I mean, we might want six forwards to say, well, that's not going to happen. So two or three or four is actually... <laughs> attacking. It's quite a lot. It is attacking. And Damien Comer should have had two goals in a point yeah. in the first 10 minutes. You know, he fell for the penalty, scored the goal and won a ball early on. So I thought after 10, 15 minutes, this is a hell of a game. Mm. And even at halftime, I thought this is a hell of a game. I don't know if you watching Murph were thinking, well, no, we've kicked the wide. It's over now. Like, weirdly, I don't know, maybe... People think Dublin fans are getting all cocky and blasé about this, but I, I thought this is a great game at halftime, yeah. uh, and this is a serious challenge. It'd be really interesting to see what happens. And of course, then Galway, uh, you know, Galway didn't really turn up for the second half. Well, I would say that you know, if Galway scored the penalty, then you know, I think that you know, you've gotten you've got two goals early on against Dublin. You couldn't have asked for any better, and there would be an element of optimism at that stage. But this is the soul-destroying thing about playing this Dublin team is that if you make one mistake, it's like the whole premise of us winning this game is that we can't make any mistakes. You know, so it's not just we need to get over the mistake. It's like, well, we've already blown it. You know, like, like you have to get past that mindset where like all things going well, we have a chance if we don't make any mistakes and everything is absolutely clinical and word perfect and how we expect the game to be played. And the second that doesn't happen, all, like the doubts start creeping into your head. It's like, Oh, like, you know, whatever chance we had to beat in Dublin, we can't go around missing penalties. And like, that's, like, that is pretty soul-destroying. That's a pretty soul-destroying frame of mind to be in. So, like, at halftime, I, like, myself, I thought Dublin are two points up. Like, we need to get a goal with the first, with the first move of the, of the second half. Or, you know, and because this idea of, like, chasing a lead against Dublin is like a fool's errand. You know, like, they'll just kill you. If, you, if you're not four or five points up, going in the last 10 or 15 minutes, and that's only to give yourself... A bit of a chance. You know, that's not saying that you're going to win the game. That's to give yourself a bit of a chance. And but Tyrone came back at Dublin, outscored Dublin, I think six points to three or something towards the end of the, the, the game a few weeks back. 
I, you know, maybe I'm just trying no, not I, to get lulled into and too, that's, too that's much all, of a sense of security. I suppose that's all we're, any of us is trying to do, yeah. is trying to pick little things, and yeah, you could pick that little thing. I still think, take the dubs into Crow Park, it's a completely different game, Owen. People don't understand that. When you go to Crow Park, it's a completely different game. That was a tight pitch up and all yeah, that. You know, whatever yeah. the reasons were, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely it, tightened. It was a tight pitch, but also, like, was that the, dub, was that the dubs at full, no. full throttle? Uh, absolutely not. So that's where the problem lies. I'm not saying Tyrone can't come up with something that's going to cause them bother. But I still, as much as I see them causing them bother at different times and intervals during the game... I just cannot see that being fulfilled over 70 or 80 minutes, you know? It's actually, Mike, not even the fact that we all think Dublin will win the game. We also all have a very good idea how this game is going to pan out. After 20 minutes, Toronto might be a point up. After 30 minutes, Dublin will be two points up. At halftime, they'll be two to four points up. And then, slowly but surely, without really, you know, blasting away in like three minutes, Dublin will make it six points. Then they'll make it eight points. And with 15 minutes to go, it's over. And like I can't like maybe you know the the day this the, this Dublin team loses will be a massive like I don't ever see Dublin this Dublin team losing when they're an underdog like it will be a massive shock when Dublin ever win another or lose another championship game so maybe it'll be Tyrone but I just I cannot see it yeah and uh, like and again and we've we've like we it's been highlighted now a number of years like but it's it's the impact they get off the bench even in games like that where. You know, McManaman comes on and get two points. You know, Flynn comes on and gets Costello comes on and get a point. And and Dermot Connolly is over somewhere in the States, probably watching it on TV. Um, like it's and and I, you know, watching the game yesterday, and I actually just tweeted last night. I'm kind of going, this Jim Gavin, like J- Jim Gavin, must be one of the like most underappreciated men in management in GA history. Like I know all the the, the riches and the you know resources and the players and the clubs and everything that they have, but like. How how are you keeping all these guys? Like you mentioned O'Gara there a second ago, Murph. Like O'Gara gets 2-2 against Roscommon. I know it's Roscommon. The guy's not even in the 26. Like Bernard O'Brogan, we, we were talking about him, makes a comeback. He's not in the 26. Like how are you keeping these guys happy and working hard so that they, like no matter how good they are, like the, their ability to stay at the very, very top of their game against everybody else who, who you would think has to be trying harder than them, uh, it's just an incredible feat, like for this management team. And I know we probably don't want to get into now, but this guy, like, I mean, we don't. When you talk about like Mick O'Dwyer's or, or you know, Brian Cody's or anything, like, we don't. This guy isn't kind of coming to the top of your head because he's not a fierce character in front of the cameras or in, in the papers or whatever it is. But like, what what they are doing, like at, at that side of it, is just amazing. Like to keep these guys as motivated as they are. And look, like Ty, we can talk about Tyrone. Like the likelihood is here, lads. If this game is played like 100 times, like Dublin are probably going to win it over 90. And, and, and it's going to take something, you know, Jim McGuinness, you know, and, and Donegal-esque to, to shock the entire world here to, 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 for them to win the game. There's always a chance, but it's, it's just so unlikely. It's, it's hard to get too excited about it. Uh, but that's funny because we were talking about this earlier on. Are, are you both bored by Dublin? A little straw poll here. Bored by Dublin's wins, Mike? I, I just think this is. It, I'm getting bored by their brilliance, you know. And, and like, I, I appreciate it's like it's like watching the golf last night, guys. Like, like you know, I'm watching Tiger and, and I'm jumping out of the couch, like kind of going, let's make another birdie, Tiger, make it. And like I'm seeing Brooks Kepka is is winning and he's a machine and he's lamping at 400 yards and he's chipping it. And it's and you're kind of going, Bruce Kepka is an amazing, amazing golfer, but it's kind of boring because he never he, he never misses a fairway, he never misses a green, he makes every putt. Like the story is Tiger, like and it's and it's you're excited because he's gone left and right and it's different and it's something new and you're you're getting behind his story. 
Whereas you're just kind of a little bit kind of this is monotonous. It's too easy for Dublin. There's no challenge, and it's and it's something that's kind of a foregone conclusion at this stage. A little bit of the same as that. Um, I think the other thing is that, as I said, it's just a real lack of alternatives of, of teams you can pull it up to them. At least, even if we are looking forward to a, an All Ireland final, that we had a Mayo in it that we're gonna that we knew there was gonna be something to get our teeth into. It's very difficult for supporters uh, to get their teeth into you know, a throne game because it 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 just it always it builds you up and then it tapers off. And it can do that all in a minute and a half. And that's what makes it really difficult. This is probably the first time that I have maybe been a little bit bored with what the Dubs have. Like, you know, I've said before, but I, you know, I have a six-year-old and, like, that's who I take him to see is is the Dubs. And he loves them in full flight. But even the keep ball stuff, I don't even know if, if, if they need to do that. Well, they didn't really. They, they abandoned that yesterday. That, that's why I brought up the yeah, Donegal. But I'm saying... They, they played the keep ball against Donegal and yesterday it's, it felt like they wanted to make a different point and that is that we can... We can kick we on. We can kick on and streak away here. Yeah, but they still have used that keep ball at numerous, quite, quite on numerous occasions yeah, yeah. Yeah, this year. So uh, that's I suppose that's the only thing, but I'm aboard with them. We just need to do more. People need to do more. You need to do more in order to, in order to catch them. And... and you know, if Tyrone are to if Tyrone are to turn up the next day and play it exactly the same way as they played yesterday, then you know we're all in for a very disappointing All Ireland final. It's not not, gonna, not all of us. <laughs> yeah, not all of us. Uh, but I just think for them to turn up and do the exact same thing as what they've done over the last uh, number of months is 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 you know you coach teams and when you get into a. To, a tricky situation you want people to stay in that moment you want them to just keep doing the things that has worked for them up to then but unfortunately to keep doing the same things that has worked up to then ain't going to work against the dubs and that's mm. that's the tricky thing for uh, Mickey Hart and his management team that's the big decisions that have to be made they're lucky I suppose they have three weeks to do it yeah well listen I'm glad we're not broadcasting the game or anything trying, <laughs> trying to hype it up because right nobody's going to bother tickets. watching this exactly yeah 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 alright Rishi brilliant Mike thanks so much thanks so much no worries, guys. Never forget the true nature of this city. Listen, you screwheads. Here's a man who would not take it anymore. A man who stood up against the scum, the dogs, the filth. Here is someone who stood up. And this bike, by the way, I'd only had for two weeks. What happened to it? Dublin happened to it. Dublin has kicked the shit out of the bike. There was a few minutes when I blithely believed that I lived in a civilized city. I arrived home. It was already dark. There was rain and mud everywhere. Oh my God, this town! So I thought to myself, no need to drag my bike through the house, given that all I'm doing is, you know, getting changed and getting my stuff and going to the pool. So I'll just leave it here beside the front door. Not on the street. I was in the house for probably for eight to ten minutes. What the bag? I said, I don't know. I haven't put that bag in ages. Just give me some. And there's nobody on the street. And it's dark. And there's not even any foot traffic. Open the door. Bike's gone. Oh my God, this town. It's actually been taken from outside my front door in an eight-minute period of being unguarded. And this bike, by the way, I'd only had for two weeks. This bike was given to me by my brother. Oh my God, this town. And I'm thinking, why? What happened to it? Dublin happened to it. Never forget the true nature of this city.
Mike Quirk mentioned the golf there. Brooks Kepka's USPGA victory. The self-styled underdog, as Alan Shipnook called him on golf.com. One of the most talented and successful players of his generation who has just won his third major has built a career on feeling underappreciated. Okay, so here it is in a, in a sort of a truncated version. First of all, he was passed over for a scholarship at his number one choice of college in the US. Next, he went on a self-imposed exile to the European tour. Real school of hard knock stuff, this. <laughs> um, on the eve of winning his second straight US Open, he complained that earlier in the week he wasn't featured on Golf Channel's graphic listing the scores of notable players. <laughs> this guy can this guy can drum up a siege mentality. At the weekend, it just gone, he was annoyed that no reporters wanted to interview him after his first round 69 left him in 32nd place. And he was even more angry, apparently, that he was snubbed at the gym. So he went to the gym, right, with Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. and the people at the gym, they're just working out, golf fans presumably, some of them, uh, in that neck of the woods, were fawning all over DJ and completely ignoring Brooks. Despite the fact that Brooks is a muscled man as DJ, they're, they're two mm. fine specimens. I mean, if you're, if you're heading over for gym tips, I would actually probably go to Brooks Kepka yeah, before... This apparently, uh, he brought this up uh, after right. the round. And what else was there? Was there Brooks Kepka should uh, hook there. up with uh, Joe Canning. It sounds like they'd have quite a bit to talk about. Why? Uh, on the uh, slights real, real or imagined uh, stakes oh, yeah. after Joe last week. Um, yeah, like, come on, Brooks. You know, get out there and enjoy yourself. <laughs> I mean, life has been nothing but a dream for Brooks he, Kepka. He's, he's, he's now, a lot of people are saying he's going to obliterate Spieth and McElroy. Like, he's going to emerge, mm. actually, as the dominant player of this generation. Uh, so at some point, he might have to... Give up on the idea yeah, that nobody... plucky underdog and three-time major champion. Young Reese McLenahan should have no such doubts about his status within the gymnastics world after his European Championship gold medal. Brilliant stuff by Reese, who we spoke to after his gold at the Commonwealth Games. I don't know if you remember the interview. Murph, very nice personality. Yep. Confident, very confident. Um, but n- not cocky, if you know what I mean. Mm. And what a performance on the pommel horse in Glasgow. Into the double X circles. Nicely through. That's very difficult. That three Russian swings on the one pommel. He's swinging very smoothly at the moment. He's got such an elegance in the way he performs. Look at this. Three Russian circles right in the middle between the pommels. Long lines. He is moving along really nicely. The Wuji. Back down to a triple Russian at the end. Oh, this is good. It's very good. It's very good indeed. That is a wonderful exercise. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's how Jerry Kelly called it on RTE. So dominant was that display that the competitors who went after Reese basically gave up on winning a gold medal. They didn't have this. Seriously, that, now, you know, I, I'm not going to claim to know the first thing mm-hmm. uh, about gymnastics, but it seemed that from the point I turned it on, there were two or three still to go. And... Jerry Kelly was making the point, like, these guys don't have the same... The, everyone knows what routine they're about to do. You yeah. can't just magic things up, and they don't actually take on the degree of difficulty necessary to get to the point that Reese McLennan got to. So, therefore, they're... And you could see by their celebrations when they were getting into silver medal and bronze medal positions, they were yeah. delighted. That they'd gotten what they were going yeah, for yeah, yeah, completely. choice of routine. So, that that's did. pretty impressive. Yeah. If you were a pommel horse gymnast, Ken, would you go for a few triple Russians, the high level of difficulty with a chance of errors, or would you go low risk, low tariff? I think um, you've got to speculate to accumulate. Yeah. Uh, I would rather flame out, fall off the pommel horse yeah. than go for the low risk, low tariff uh, option. Yeah. I mean, come on. What's the point? Like it's you've, just we've got, we've gone all, that. We've gone all the way here. We've mm. reached the final. It's you the might pinnacle. Go viral, at least. 
Yeah, you exactly. Go so, gold or go viral. Yeah, th- that is actually the choice. Yeah. You know, although it might be one of those go viral. You'll never guess how badly broken this guy's collarbone is. Yeah, you which might is en- not the kind of viral that I would. You, you might end up on Live Leak as opposed to YouTube or yeah. something. <laughs> just, oh god! Yeah. Just a quick one on the athletics. The era of the incredible Inga Brigstens continued. If I mentioned these three brothers mm-hmm. from Norway on the radio show, oh don't show worry, on Saturday. I, I, I've uh, oh I, that was the radio show. I did also listen to all of the shows from last week as well. On maybe we'll talk about that off air. That's fine. Excuse me. Oh, just your constant attacks on my person while I was on holidays. It's fine. We can talk about it off air. It's no, it's no problem. Yeah, no, your your theory worked out pretty well. Yeah, you your total misunderstanding of my theory also. Well, listen, you embarrassed yourself. Ken, Ken this is getting awkward for you. You, you <laughs> embarrassed you yourself. Last your week. misunderstanding of my theory. I'm yeah. glad to. I'm glad to have heard you say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. You've misinterpreted me. You misquoted me. There's hundreds of hours of YouTube footage of me outlining that theory. <laughs> and until you watch those, you can't presume to criticize what well, I'm Well, no, saying. it's 800 words in the Irish okay. Times that Owen has managed to willfully misunderstand. But, I mean, listen, it's fine. It's probably the sort of conversation you should have off air. It's no big deal. What score was it again? On the... Listen, I was talking about the Inga Brixons, yeah. the incredible Inga Brixons. The youngest, 17-year-old Jakob, clinched a 1,500, 5,000-meter double beating his 27-year-old brother Henrik into second place in the 5,000. There were three of them who were competing in the 1,500 metres, hence the incredible Inga Brigstens. The key to young Jakob's victory in the 5,000 metres? Does anyone want to hazard a guess? His key tactical decision? Oh, just like run like hell and not slow down oh, at any stage of the close. race. Run the entire distance. If you're oh. signed up to do a 5,000 metres, finish that off and don't do a poor Lona... Uh, Chemtai Salpeter did in the women's 5,000 metres where she sprints for home believes she has a silver medal arms go up in the air then she hears the bell to signify oh. that there's one more lap yep yep has to try to get going again but eventually finishes outside oh. the medals as you would because you've literally sprinted for about two or yeah. 300 metres yeah, not right. good and she was inconsolable on the track afterwards so young athletes out there run to the bell and then another 400 metres that'll mm. generally get you home and get you in with that a chance is, of a medal that's unfortunate all right, that's it. Thanks. We'll settle this off air, Murphy. Yeah? Oh. For fuck's sake. <laughs> You're goddamn right. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Thanks, all. Thanks, Ken. Thanks Thank for you, listening. Thank you, Bye-bye. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.